to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Friday here on the Steve Day Show podcast on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. I am Steve Day. Todd and Aaron are here as well. If you'd like to join us, let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Speaking of CRTV, we just wrapped up the Dace Group Roundtable for CRTV. Gentlemen, you want to give the audience a tease of what's to come and a weekly look at the week that was, Todd. Well, it's kind of unbelievable. We, we have a, enough of a sample size now. Uh, our beloved Kim has been gone for more than a month now. Uh, Shannon is set in for her, Shannon Joy, for the most part, three times now. And uh, there has been no loss in cynicism at all. No. No. <laughs> no, she's, she, 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 Kim, if she were here, probably would have been impressed with Shannon's level of cynicism today. Aaron. Uh, yeah, that's uh, there's there's just tons of uh, glad tidings of great joy uh, in in today's day group. It's a Valentine's table. Day miracle. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's um, it's quite astonishing because everything is on the up and up right now uh, as far as uh, the sw- um, wa- Washington D.C. Everything every everything's all good. We're all good here. How, How are, are you? you? <laughs> nice. So, if you want to know how we're all good here, CRTV.com, use my name as a promo code. DACE gets you a discounted subscription, not just to our show, but all of the shows here at CRTV as well. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. All right, let's get into it. It is a Feedback Friday. I've got here a list of things uh, that you guys have uh, given us your feedback about in recent days and weeks. We're going to respond to as many of these as we can. This is from Linda. Linda says, I am 67 and I cannot remember the State of the Union a speech that doesn't say the State of our Union is strong. I think if the North Korean ICBMs were on their way in the middle of a State of the Union speech, whoever is president would still give the same statement. Yes, she's correct. Like, there's certain things that are certainties. Wednesday was National Signing Day in college football. No coach has ever stood up and said, well, we missed on a lot of our biggest targets. We kind of had to reach on a few guys. Well, let's face it, more than a few because you know those scholarships weren't going to fill themselves. And I'm pretty sure this is the class that's getting my ass fired in a year or two. But the good news is my agent negotiated a great buyout. You ever heard that, Todd? Uh, well... Not in sports. Once in politics, uh, Jimmy Carter and his Malay speech, and boy, did he hear about that. So. Yeah, well, but that was unintentional. <laughs> he, wasn't intent- he wasn't intending to say, I suck. It just came off that way. Aaron, you ever heard a coach say something like that? Oh, no. No. And just no president's ever going to stand up and say, all right, we're hanging by a string here, folks. This thing is teetering on the brink. It's never going to happen. So, yes. Um, if you heard the state of our union is strong and new American moment and you were on a morphine drip that you only took during state of the union speeches, you're halfway to Xanadu by now. Those two things have been in every 
single State of the Union address I have ever heard. New American moment, and the State of our Union is strong. Mr. Speaker, the State of our Union is tenuous as hell at the moment. All right? No one's ever going to say that. So I appreciate, since we, we noted Shannon's cynicism to open the podcast, I I wanted Linda to be so, an excellent segue to that because really, she 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 clearly shares some of that. That's really America's fault, then, right? I mean, they're not they're not just going to say, "Come on, Doc, give it to me straight. I can take it." No, 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 no one's going to say to me. America's not going to say, "Cut me, Mick, cut me." No, they're not. No, uh, can I can I see out that eye? Well, it's it's bloodshot, covered, swollen, and you're down to one eye. No, they don't want to hear a politician say that. They want to hear him say, "You're pretty." That's what they want to hear. Randy Abdullah says, in response to your recent television show about the Democratic Party, which was on Wednesday, I strongly believe that we've already crossed that line with them. Oh, he's talking about last week, Wednesday. Meaning we've crossed the line of, are they just in open opposition to virtues and values that make America mm-hmm. what she is. He says, I was talking to a coworker about President Trump's State of the Union address, and we both agreed it was like night and day, the difference between what we heard from him and what we heard from the, and what we saw from the Democrats. You had a segment where you stated that a number of the Democrats could have given his address from Truman to Clinton, and I would agree with you. So if we're not there yet, we have to be awfully close. Agree or disagree? No, we're there. You think we're there? Yeah, we're there. We're absolutely there. I mean, they, they, what? Stop. Believe them. Believe their own words. They tell us all the time. I mean, we're, we're the suckers. I, I hope you're wrong. Go ahead, Aaron. I totally agree. I hope you're both wrong. Well, wh- isn't that Occam's razor? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, <laughs> Moving on, Ed Schick from Michigan. <laughs> it's not the best color man in the game for nothing, folks. <laughs> oh, Ed Schick from Michigan, who's now living in Poland, writes, in 2008, I discovered our senior pastor had done some inappropriate things like sexual harassment with my wife and appeared to be grooming our daughter. I went to him alone at first and got total, totally stonewalled in his response. And it was accompanied with various pushback tactics. I involved a deacon and then more deacons, meaning he's following the, the process of Matthew 18. Uh, in the end, they didn't want to confront him, even with the provable lies and his denials uh, of behavior that we actually witnessed. Knowing he won at this game, he continued to harass me and did detrimental things to my missions ministry. My complaints were dismissed in spite of evidence, and eventually the church withdrew their mission support of us and later took further action against members that were fellowshipping with us. Needless to say, my family and I paid a heavy price for speaking up, and no one stood with us or would verify my innocence, even when I went to pastors nearby and two state representatives of our denomination association. The moment someone commits a sin like a Nasser, 
everyone loses. It's just like in a car crash. The only option left once a crime has been committed is to, by God's grace, do the best to remedy the situation using a trial, prosecution, justice, confession, forgiveness, etc. There's no easy path out even if the victims speak up and everyone responds as they should. They There are always losses, but the bigger losses come when people cover up or attack the victims. It took years for me and my ministry to recover from the damage done by that pastor in church. I've since vowed to the Lord that if I ever saw someone being treated unjustly as much as I could verify it, I would come to their defense whether they were accusing someone of a sin or a crime or if they were being falsely accused by malicious people. I hope my testimony helps these situations like Nasser keep coming. I pray that more victims will speak up sooner and that righteous advocates will take up their cause without regard to counterattacks or losses your thoughts well this you're describing why michigan states penn states baylor's uh why they happen and why they will continue to happen and people put watch this oh i would if i was there i would no you wouldn't almost none of you would almost none of you would um this has been my experience in just about every walk of life uh the the path of least resistance is the one people on the left people on the right people at church uh in 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 fact it, the things they're fighting for are so ghastly but the, the 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 people who are actually in terms of um being uh in the world and being not of it in a manner of speaking and i mean they are purely of the, the the world in terms of rejecting God, but in terms of going their only way, their their own way at all costs, it is the progressives. I mean, we're not supposed to be turning over, you know, burning down uh, campuses uh, or anything like that, but we are supposed to be the obvious alternative, the obvious light in the darkness, the the one who is pushing the envelope out of this. Re- ridiculous uh thing we've created and showing people the other way but the honestly the the people really the showing the other way right now most aggressively is the hard left it is progressives um and this is why these things keep happening because mostly us whoever us is we just sit and watch and cower Ask Rachel Den Hollander uh about her experience before before this before her powerful incredibly powerful um, in, w- victim impact statement a couple of weeks ago at the um, Nasser hearing. She's the w- one, the first uh, victim of Nasser to speak up and accuse him publicly, and she's had the similar experience as what our listener uh, um, had with her church. She spoke up against a pastor with the, the Sovereign Grace scandal. That's C.J. Mahaney. C.J. Mahaney. Yeah. Yep. And she was pretty much ostracized. She and her whole family were pretty much ostracized. There, that that the, the writer's absolutely right. Nobody wins, which is why what she did was so powerful a couple of weeks ago. Offered forgiveness to Nasser, but also said, "You know what? You need you need God's forgiveness more than you need mine." That's that is a uh, that's a grace. That's a power. In those types of situations, that only comes from one source. But it is frustrating that Todd, Todd, Todd is right. 
we would i'd like to say that i would do something and i want to i want to punch nasser now but if we were in the same shoes would we would we really do that as some and we had the opportunity would we really do that william was watching ali stuckey's debut on crtv on our roundtable two weeks ago and uh I got a lot of feedback like this, Aaron, so I wanted to share at least one example with you in public. That Friday show gave me an elder citizen who has watched the churches, the family, education, the courts, and all levels of government lose their way, their minds, and their morals. A hope for the future of this nation and this world. Those were two magnificent millennials you had on. So I I got several notes along these lines, so I wanted to just take one of them. That's from William. And... uh, Give you guys a public attaboy. Well, thanks, William. Check With at least one of those. I appreciate it. I do appreciate it. And uh, we had Roaming Millennial on yesterday, and she claims that Generation Z, which is the generation after Millennials, is the most conservative one in quite a while. And that's she's not the first uh, person I've heard say that as well. So there could be hope for the future. Sam Webb writes, so if I understand this correctly, in today's leftist mindset, you will feel empowered only by surrendering your independence, dignity, individual individualism, and morality. It is only by living your life perpendicular to societal norms that one can experience freedom. Yes. Now, his original email to me used the word liberals. I changed it to leftists. See, what's the difference? Well, it's a distinction that proves a difference. In Sam's email here, if we were talking about liberals, what a liberal would do is want to advocate that if you seek to live your life outside of societal norms, you should be able to and should be allowed and permitted to do that, provided you're, the way you're doing so doesn't hurt anybody else. That is what a liberal would say. What a leftist says is you must live your life outside of societal norms. You see the distinction I'm drawing here? Mm-hmm. One says, the liberal says, you may. The liberal says, I'm uncomfortable with absolute truth. I'm uncomfortable with transcendent moral standards. The leftist says, I'm comfortable with a certain absolute truth. I'm comfortable with my transcendent morality which do we see operative in our society today the liberal the latter or the leftist that's the right yeah the liberals rush limbaugh was arguing against 25 30 years ago they don't exist anymore they're gone either they've died out or they've become sort of neo-libertarians like james woods the actor sure like that okay because, because they saw what leftists sought to do with their liberal openness and flexibility and instead not offer true pluralism and diversity, but use it to impose their version of conformity instead. And so they have revolted against that. There are no liberals today. There are leftists and there's everybody else, guys. You know, I've been talking a lot lately. There's not that many limited government conservatives. There's not that many limited government voters. They're there, but there's just not that many. There still are people that believe 
and though that traditional notion of liberalism there's fewer of them though than there are limited government conservatives that's what i mean they just they they largely don't exist they're not in any position and they're not in any positions of authority on the left at all nowhere every now and then you'll see such a person pop up on fox news Right, they'll be the gay activist. You'll, Tucker Carlson will find that one gay activist who wants to, you know, marry his nine boyfriends, but thinks you don't have to bake a cake for him. You know what I'm saying? He'll find like that one guy. But for every one gay guy like that, everywhere else in that movement, he's outnumbered ten thousand to one. Which means I'm really impressed with Fox's booking department, I have to tell you. They keep finding these needles in the haystack, but they, they are unicorns. They don't exist, by and large, per capita. There's leftists, and then there's the rest of America. Now, notice what I didn't say. I didn't say there's leftists and conservatives. Did I say that? No. I said there's leftists, and then there's the rest of America. And within that rest of America, there's Democrats who aren't really who want government to do things for them, aren't really comfortable though with the imposed moral edicts of the left. But since the left will give them more government goodies than the the right will, they'll align with it to a point. That's basically what I just described you as the Democratic Party coalition. But the liberal used to argue the liberals were the ones who made the arguments. Why are two people loving each other in a consenting relationship in the privacy of their own bedroom, your business? The leftists are the ones who say, um, it is your business. And if you don't want it to be, then you will be made to care. Which one do we see driving that train these days? Which one is it? The jihadi one. Yeah, that's the latter. You bet. So, I mean, if I, if I, if I did a massage, massive messaging conference with conservative leaders and superstars at a retreat. They like brought me in. You know what my presentation would be? Drop the word liberal. Get rid of it. Doesn't exist. These are leftists. Rush used to argue against people that were pro-choice. Now these are people that are pro-killing. There's a difference. Big difference. It's a big distinction that proves a difference. Agree or disagree with that? Oh, not only agree, it's it's fundamental. It, it <clears throat> speaks to what I said before. Either, either you acknowledge this as truth or you plan on spinning your wheels politically. I mean, you might feel good about whatever shirts and skins game you're playing, but that's the reality. That's revolutionary thinking right there. Yeah, you are, um, you are kind of singing my song there. I mean, that's... You that, see that in your generation? There's no liberals in your generation. No... They're either leftist or they're something else. Yep, yep. That's and that's what we saw earlier this week. Sarah Silverman, that that video clip we saw of Sil- Sarah yeah. Silverman. They're openly saying, "Oh, it's a baby. Oh, kill it. Ha 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 ha. Oh, this makes me want to eat an aborted feet." They are pro killing. They like it because it's not what you like. They don't. They they don't. I don't think any any of them actually. And it it could be. Uh, I think they are just whatever is opposite yep 
of what we, of what any notion of Judeo-Christian or transcendent moral values is, whatever is deviates from that, they are totally down with. And Greg, you're describing the you're describing iconoclasts. Yes, yep. and that's a fancy word. What is Steve? What's an iconoclast? I'll use I've used this language instead of that word in the past. The crowd outside Lot's house the night before the sulfur fell. That's what an iconoclast is. Oh, you mean Lot? You're willing to let us rape your daughters? Well, that's not the sinful violation that we were will that that we prefer. We prefer to rape the men instead. So the sin you're willing to allow us to have, it's not it's not rebellious enough. It's not a it's not a defiance of our Creator enough. It's not a middle finger to God enough. No, we we want to we want. As Todd likes to say, we're going spinal tap on this puppy. We're going to dial it up to 16. We're going to rape the men instead. To be as nasty as we want to be, as the great prophet, two live crew once saying, that's what an iconoclast is. I have no desire other than the tearing down of the existing norms. Now, sometimes, you know, if you're Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and you're a gulag in, in uh, Siberia, being an iconoclast isn't a bad thing because those existing norms are from the devil. It's the Soviet Union. But in the hands of progressives and Marxists, what they're going to do is they're not going to shake their fist at the gulag master. They're going to shake their fist at the way of the master. Know what I'm saying? You guys picking up what I'm laying down here? All of it. Okay. That's what Sarah Silverman was, as Aaron just described. Reed Robbins writes, I am a member of CRTV and I have a question, but I don't know how best to get a hold of you, so I'm just going to email this to you. Well, it worked. Number one, I am pro-life from conception, but I have a hard time arguing that it should be illegal before a heartbeat, which I find a common argument. All right, let me stop right there. He's got two questions. Let me stop right there. There's two ways to approach this going forward, Reed. And it depends on the crowd that you're arguing with, okay? There's two reasons people tend to be for abortion, for killing children. One is the conscience is seared. The other is they know it's wrong, but because of a compromise they've made in their own life or they're making now or they're, they, 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 they feel... They, they lack the moral authority to impose that standard on someone else, right? Okay. I would advise taking two different approaches to each of those people. To the one whose conscience is seared. Like if you're arguing with a radical egalitarian feminist. And, she doesn't want, and her conscience is seared. No amount of evidence, no ultrasound, nothing you can show her. Because it's a pretty... How, Steve, how do you know life begins at conception? Well, when does anything begin, guys? Do you know when anything begins? <clears throat> at the beginning. At the beginning. Everything begins at the beginning. What is the beginning of life when a sperm fertilizes an egg? Can it possibly exist before that? No. So what, therefore, if it can't possibly exist before that step, then we would call that step the What? Beginning. The beginning. And everything begins where? At the beginning. At the beginning. 
That's how we know. All right. This is why the pro-life arguing this philosophically, it is the easiest argument you can make. It is, yes. Now, if the person you're up against, their conscience is seared, they won't care. That's where I find the heartbeat argument, and this is where the approach Todd often advocates, can be um, uh, can be amenable. Because when an ES unit arrives on the scene of a serious accident or a serious medical trauma, the absence of what will cause them to declare somebody dead? The absence of what? Heartbeat or a pulse. Yes. Which means then the presence of said things indicates what? Life. Life. So then to the hardcore feminist or those, who, those whose conscience is seared towards the killing of children, say to them what I just said and said, we all agree, every doctor, every paramedic, every ES unit on planet Earth agrees. When they show up at the scene, anything with a heartbeat slash pulse is alive. Anything without it probably isn't, okay? So tell you what, will you grant with me Therefore, we shouldn't be killing live beings. Because we all agree a heartbeat is, a, is, a, is, a, is significant that life is present, so we shouldn't kill it. And that, that is a way to force their, their own argument on themselves. And at that point, the person either walks away, but they do that. Don't take them walking away. To be, don't take that as offended. Take it as you stuck it to them. And they know that. When you go through the Gospels, often Jesus takes the silly arguments of his opponents and turns them around on them. And often the reaction he gets is essentially people murmuring to themselves, looking down their feet and walking away. Because he nailed them. They have nowhere else to go. But he pricked the conscience. He, they walked away with something to think about. Now, people aren't always just going to convert to your view right there on the spot. And if they still don't want to hear it from there, if, they, if, they, if we acknowledge that where there is a heartbeat, life is present, if that argument still does not pierce the darkness, then you're at that parable in the Gospels that Jesus tells of Lazarus, when Lazarus is in hell, and says, begs God to let him out, because he's been to hell, seen how bad it is. And, and now that I've been there, my, my family, my loved ones, they'll listen to me. I don't want them to end up here with me. And Jesus says, well, let's see. They didn't listen to Moses when he brought him the law. And they, they didn't listen to the Son of Man when he, when, he, when he came back from the dead. I don't know why they're going to listen to you. Know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And at that point, kick the dust off your sandals and on to your next town. That ain't your problem anymore. Now, if you're dealing with someone who morally knows what you're saying is true, but they're struggling and they feel as if if I go there, that means I'm, I could be exposed as a hypocrite because of a compromise I'm making in my own life or, I'm, or a compromise someone, you know, my sister, uh, my daughter had an abortion and I don't want to condemn her or something of that nature. See, if they're feeling that way, they're, they're still, the premise of their thought on abortion still is not on the child. You want to direct their focus and attention off of the would-be mother and put it on the child. Well, Steve, why? Well, the mark of every good mother is she takes the attention off herself and puts it where? Children. On the children. You want to do that to the person whose conscience is is double-minded on this. You want to do the same thing. 
what do I mean they're double-minded? Well, I know abortion is wrong, but why do you know that it's wrong? When does life begin? Now, to that person, I would not compromise my standard at all. And I wouldn't even argue the other approach is compromising your standard. You're granting a point to, to expose a false objection and turn their own fault, fault, flawed premise on, on, on back at them. In this case, though, I would not take that tact. In this case, you need to enforce and reinforce someone's conviction. And the way to do that is by bringing the conversation back to when life begins. So I think, it, I think Reed, it depends on whom you're talking to at that moment. I agree. Uh, Iowa, uh, the Iowa legislature right now has a heartbeat bill. Now, you think the federal Republicans are um, selling you a bill of goods? Try the Iowa Republicans. So this might just be dinner theater. That being said, this kind of legislation, to me, is the most uh, compelling in terms of getting to where we need to go. Uh, and I include personhood in that. And Steve's been big in personhood. And it, personhood, ultimately, legally speaking, is airtight. But you are basically ultimately making a foundational philosophical and legal <laughs> argument. Mm-hmm. And listen, we, we have to have, and Steve's argued this too, you, you, we need to have an emotional hook. And you it's hard to That's win. That's why a, when I speak about yeah. person, I actually lead with my own know, mom and her testimony to make the That's emotional my, connection first. And it's hard to turn personhood into an elevator speech, but the heartbeat bill, you can. Just think of effective political commercials. Steve's already painted the picture. Now just put it to music and show like a, 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 a father who's had a heart attack and whose heart is shocked back into life. Mm-hmm. And another example, and people are like, oh my, that, they're on board. And then you say, well... What somehow can the power of that moment? What's the difference with that heartbeat? It is the presence of life. And furthermore, in terms of pure scientific pragmatism, it is my understanding that most women don't know they're pregnant pregnant until after the heartbeat yep. is there because yep. it shows up at a like seventeen days, I think, if memory serves. Like I could be wrong, but most oh, women. Right don't know they're pregnant at 17 uh, days. So in effect, you are creating an environment where by the time every single woman knows they're pregnant, that heartbeat exists. I mean, to put it in perspective, because we're talking about 20-week pain-capable bills, Yes, I don't support those bills. I don't either. And the reason why is because we're not, we're not, we're not sanctifying life. We're, we're, we're acknowledging the premise of the utilitarians, yes. which is yes. since this is a quality yes. of life argument, right. if it can feel pain, then you can't harm it. Well, what if it can't? Now, the difference with a heartbeat is we all agree this is a sign of life. Every estimate I've read. The essence, biologically. Right. Every, every, every study I've read is at the latest, a pregnant woman will recognize a heartbeat in her womb, or it can be recognized at five weeks, at the latest. A big the amount of children you would save. Right. See, it's really easy. See, Kermit Gosnell had twenty three week and twenty four week pain capable bills in Pennsylvania. He just lied, guys. Right. Yeah, he just lied. Asking baby killers to obey the law. Yeah, like uh, in that light. Yeah. yeah. But now, but it's a lot harder to lie about something that's detected at the latest at five weeks than it is at twenty weeks. It's a lot harder to lie mm-hmm. about that. A lot harder. So 
that's an ex- that's an example, provided you're not making exceptions for rape and incest. Because if you're doing that, now you're telling me that, yeah, a heartbeat is significant of life, but if it's from this class of people that can be killed, I'm not on board with that either. Right. All right? But if you're telling me we're going to do a heartbeat bill, and unless the life of the mother is physically, by a physician, certifiably at stake at that moment, it should be protected, I would sign on to that. Because we're moving closer to when life begins. We are acknowledging what the essence, as Todd said, what the essence of life represents, and it's represented by that heartbeat. So I think it depends on who you're talking to, Aaron. Are you talking to somebody whose conscience is seared? Then I would then I would come up with clever questions. argumentations and questions yep. to root out their false objections. Yep. If you're talking to somebody who's generically pro-life, then I would stay on the premise of life being as a conception. Yeah, and I said earlier that, that the life issue is the most easy issue to debate philosophically. However, philosophy is not going to win hearts and minds. Mm. That's just that's not the that's not the well, that's culture a harsh lesson I've learned many times. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> not the culture that we live in. So that's why you lead off with your story. We have to have our philosophy down pat so that we can make logical uh, jumps, not jumps, but logical connect the dots logically for people. But we have to do that in a way that reaches them emotionally, and it's the lesson that everybody has to learn. I like debating things philosophically. I'm I'm best at that. Um, but that's that's what's really going to make a difference in the long run uh, in winning this argument. In the meantime, organizations like Save, Save the Storks are probably some of the best mm-hmm. best places to go. But as far as the long-term goal, the, 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 the generational goal, uh, going for uh, the emotional uh, connection first is going to change hearts and minds. That is well said. So we're done with this week's Feedback Friday. Final thoughts, gentlemen, before we head out to the weekend. Are you guys good? Do you have anything else you want to add? Stay safe. Don't end up in a ditch. Yeah. Snows are coming. Uh, that's some great life advice, yeah. both literally and metaphorically. Don't end up in a ditch. You're going to make a great dad. Yeah. You are going to make a great dad. Daddy, what's your best? Ad- Don't end up in a ditch, kid. Stop jumping on the divan. You poke your eye out. Todd? Um, you got something better than don't end up in a ditch? Um, <laughs> gosh, I said I think we're already there. Aaron so, is um, so going to be like the dad on that 70s show. I could totally see, don't end up in a ditch. I could totally see him be that dad. Totally. I love that dad. I know everybody loved that dad. Red. He was the best character on the show. Red. Yeah, I could totally see, or or like Hank Hill, oh, monkey daddy, the backside of your ass. I could totally see that. Couldn't you, couldn't you totally see that? Uh, well, yeah. uh, that I hope I'm hope I'm praying for that. Yeah, for me. me too. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right, everybody have a Actually, great weekend. Go Olympics. That's my final thought. It's here. Finally, two weeks of sporting excellence. And then there's that. I like Aaron's closing comments better. Stay out of the ditch. Watch the Olympics. It's awesome. Everybody have a great weekend. We are back at it again on Monday. Don't forget CRTV.com promo code DACE. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.